anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, and back with me this week, taking a break from all the baby goat fun he's been having for the last uh, week or so, is Justin Hillbilly Boy Campbell. What's going on, man? How you been? Not too bad. Not too bad. We have a... He is an adorable little fucker. I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't entirely sold on the goats when we got them originally. They kind of grew on me and I wasn't sure how the baby thing was going to be. And he is a cute little fucker. He, and he likes to jump and uh, he has been all day long. So today is the first day we've let him out to kind of roam free and, and do his thing. And, uh, the male or our big one, Ralphie, he hasn't he hasn't bothered him. He's left him alone and let him run. And he has been all over the place, just running and bouncing. And it's it's the most adorable thing ever. It's like the cute puppy and kitty videos, only it's a little baby goat. Uh, now I feel like a basic white bitch, but uh it's been <laughs> it's been fun. Well, that's good. Cool, man. I don't I don't have a whole lot to re- report here on the home front, except that I'm getting very, very fucking frustrated <laughs> constantly. I'm actually in a lot of pain right now. I'm having some back issues because I'm an old man and uh, they're doing construction intermittently. So there might be some of that to deal with today. Bunch of other work shit going on. I'm just uh, I'm kind of at my wits end. I need a vacation. <laughs> It feels like my permanent vacation, but yeah, my living whole living situation right now is actually wearing me pretty thin as well. So uh, it feels that, like from your experience, Mexico is just under construction 100 percent of the time. Like no matter where you go, it's all everything. Yeah, it's hard to get away from it, and I mean they're just so fucking slow. It's like they get paid by the day, and so they drag <laughs> it out, and they'll just do it, like a little bit of stuff, just enough to annoy you. And then that project will go, you know, dark for months on end. And, you know, some of the the construction here, like you don't take out mortgages, you don't get like a 30 year loan or something like that to build all this stuff. So like they start out with a certain amount of money. And when that money runs out, the project just stops until they come up with more money. And so you'll see stuff here that's under construction for like years nothing will happen. It'll just be like this dilapidated building for years. And then all of a sudden in like a two week period, the whole thing will spring into action and you'll have like a new structure there. It's really bizarre to, to see it happen. And it's, it makes scheduling things very difficult. Like our, my schedule is already really tough and I do appreciate your flexibility and the listeners as well. 
it's like I have like a two and a half, maybe three hour window to get this uh, this show in today. And the first hour and a half of it was chewed up through construction and, and all this other shit going on. And so we'll, uh, we'll we'll see how things go. But my living situation will be changing pretty soon here. A couple of weeks, maybe. And I don't know, my uh, my my uncle actually sold his house in Elmhurst. So they're closing at the end of uh, at the end of April and they're going to go back. They always do Easter at, at their house. So they're going to have the last Easter there. And I'm feeling a little pressure to go back for that. But flights are kind of fucking outrageous right now. And if I do go back, that means I got to do all my shit. And um, I'd have to stay home for probably until I go on the fishing. It wouldn't make sense for me to you know, go there for Easter and then come back and then go back and do house stuff and then fly to fucking Florida for fishing. So I'd stay there for like two and a half months. And I don't want to do that. That's a long time to be in the States, especially for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to come up with an excuse to get out of going to Easter, even though I'd be staying at this guy's condo <laughs> in Mexico. And, uh, like, Hey, I'm going to skip your Easter and stay in your condo in Mexico. Yeah, you know, yeah. So I, I got to come up with a good excuse for that, and then yeah, go back maybe around sometime in May to get my my condo, uh, uh you know, squared away, put it up on the market, do some fishing in uh, the Keys with my knucklehead friends, and then come back here, and it, it should be back to business as usual. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I have to report on my front. So uh, yeah. It's a very uh, tough transition time for this transient honorary Mexican. <laughs> we all feel so bad for you having to live yeah, in Mexico. Tough life. It is a tough life. <laughs> I haven't been to the beach in a while, man. My tan has been suffering. I don't know if you can tell. I do go on some nice, uh, some nice long walks though, from time to time. And it's, you know, it's it's nice to be able to just walk out and you're a couple blocks from from the beach and a beautiful little downtown here, which uh, some of you guys got to see with the whole Sayulita Super Spreader 2021. I do have to talk to uh, Mark Claire about putting on 2022, see if he's actually still interested in doing that. Because um, I would like a little help doing it this year, especially if it's going to be bigger, which it should be bigger and better at the end of this year. So you guys have that to look forward to block off some time in December for a little fun in the sun down here. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What do we got on the, the docket for today here? What should we start with? Well, I guess we could address some of these Biden blunders that have been <laughs> putting us closer and closer to nuclear war with Putin. Right. Saying that we need to, that Putin can't be allowed to stay in power and we need to have a regime change. Uh, and then of course they, then the entire weekend, I thought it was, I thought it was a very slow news weekend and it was probably because the entirety of uh, the mainstream media was trying to figure out how to walk back Joe Biden saying we needed to overthrow Vladimir Putin. Like, Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's very interesting. I was mentioning it before we started recording the Biden blunders that have been taking place are not the ones that I was expecting. I was expecting him to say a bunch of like retarded gobbledygook 
stuff about corn pop and kids jumping on his lap and rubbing his leg hair and who knows what the hell he'd be talking about. But the last thing I actually thought he'd be doing is like revealing deep state secrets nonchalantly in like the middle of a speech. Like, oh, yeah, we're going for another regime change war this time in Russia. And uh, we're training troops in Ukraine. You'll see when you guys get there how things <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, dude. Did you see the pictures of his note cards? Like they, it's him standing at the podium and he's holding these note cards. And like you can see he's got a list of what his questions are going to be and what his talking points are for the questions. Oh, my God. Yeah. Are, are they like picture? Is it like a pop up, like a picture book? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, <laughs> it's like it, like it literally has it says uh, controversial talking points for Ukraine or something like that. And, and it has like what the question will be oh, and then what he's supposed to say. It, it's, I it mean, were, it is brilliant. <laughs> it is fucking amazing. And remind, the thing is like, there were, there were people that were saying, Oh no, no, this is fake. This is fake. It, it's not, it's, it's not real. Oh, it's real. You could have a, if you knew how to Photoshop stuff, you get a fucking field day with that. It reminds me of the, the episode of the office where like, Dwight steals Michael's like Rolodex and he's got all this stuff written for each client and it's like color coded. He's like, red means don't say that. Orange means don't bring that up. Yellow means like never talk about that. Pretty much everything means don't say, <laughs> don't say this. Oh God, that is so fucking funny. I could only imagine being like one of his handlers. I can't that might be like the first book I read, you know, these people, they get out of office and then they write these tell all books. I might be interested in seeing how, what it was like to, to manage Joe Biden. Cause that is going to be, if you thought Trump was a fucking shit show and from everything I hear of like the people that are in the inner circle of the Trump presidency, like it was a fucking shit show. I mean, imagine it's Donald Trump. Um, this is so much, this is going to be so much crazier. So much fucking crazier. And it's like everybody that voted for Biden justified it on the basis that Donald Trump could bring like he can't have this guy with his finger on the nuclear button and he's going to bring us to, you know, nuclear war. We're on the brink of nuclear war. He's a crazy madman. Blah, blah. And then here's here's Joe Biden, like literally doing it in real time. And they have to walk it back. I know I was I was promised World War Three for four years and didn't get it. And now now we're going to get it under Biden. Like, we're what, we're far closer than we ever were with with Donald Trump. Uh, but this. Yeah, this is like <laughs> some of the things he's saying. And Donald Trump would say a lot of the same things. You know, he would let stuff slip. But it was you know, he did it intentionally. He, he would say stuff like, oh, the, the military industrial complex, like they don't want me telling you this kind of thing. Biden is just like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going for regime change. <laughs> we can't let Putin, uh, we can't leave him in power anymore. Like these are, it, it doesn't seem like much to like the average American that's just sort of listening to these things and are not very politically active and they don't really think through the consequences of that. But if you're looking at it from, a Putin point of view, those are fucking fighting words. And we've seen what happens when we go for regime change in other countries. And it's, it's not a pretty scene. Well, and like Pedro Gonzalez talks about it on this week's uh, counterflow with Buck, like the, 
the way that all of these politicians have been handling the situation, like they've, they've all moved further and further into just like full on Warhawk neocon, like coming just even the ones aside from like, like the obvious ones, like Thomas Massey and some of them, like even the ones who are typically better on this stuff have gone all the way up to the point of no fly zone. Like some of them won't cross that. They won't cross that line into saying we should have a no fly zone, but like, almost all of them have just gone full on hawkish on this. So like when you see that kind of bipartisan commitment, there's everybody has a vested interest in it. And there's a reason that it, that they're not pushing back on this. Like the, or the, the Democrats being the party of peace or whatever, being anti-war, they've been, they've been the ones who have been beating the war drum the hardest. Did they not see the complete, fucking hypocrisy of taking this position like yeah well, they like worried you were, about you were yeah. against all of the wars in the middle east when when trump was or when bush was doing it but then you didn't say a damn thing for eight years of obama dropping more bombs and being even worse on the whole thing and you were touting or you know blowing the blowing the horn that trump was going to start world war three and now biden's on the verge of starting it and it's like yay let's do it go ukraine yeah yeah, I mean, if they were concerned with hypocrisy, they probably wouldn't be Democrats. But yeah, it's it's always it's always projection on their part. Whatever they're talking about, they're projecting their own feelings, emotions, and thoughts onto their opponent. And that was like one of the worst things about the Obama presidency was you weren't allowed, like you couldn't criticize him for a number of reasons. One is because he was a minority. He was black, right? Which we'll, we'll get into some of this affirmative action stuff later, but it gave, yeah, it gave the anti-war left just like complete silence. You didn't hear from them for eight years. And that was one of the, the best things about the Donald Trump presidency was him being anti-war, at least in rhetoric, right? It gave a lot of these sort of war-hungry Republicans or not even war hungry Republicans, but, you know, Republicans that had sort of felt this obligation as a Republican to support all of these wars and all of this intervention around the globe. It gave them sort of an out, an excuse to get away from it, to step away from it. And you saw that with the, the sort of like the, the main talking points, you know, at the end of every presidency, all this, the people that voted for that president had to come up with some bullshit story as to just like how their president did a good job. And the main talking point for Trump was, well, he didn't start any new wars. So he got that going for us. And that would never be a talking point for, uh, for the right wing. Right. But the, uh, the thing that you should always be most concerned about is bipartisanship. Bipartisan consensus brings you the worst of everything every single time. And it, you know, that's why they, I think politicians put forth such an effort to like make bipartisanship out to be like the Messiah of government. Be like, oh, look, even the Republicans are on board with this, or even the Democrats support this one. And this, we reached across the aisle and look at John McCain. He was a, a maverick. He would reach across the aisle. Like they, they lionize everybody that works with the other side. And every time they're working with the other side, you're getting fucking, I mean, like if you're getting fucked by the government and both sides are coming together, you're now getting pig roasted. 
you're taking it in both ends and you're going to get the worst of both worlds every single time, whether it's the spending bills, war, you know, the, the Patriot Act always has bipartisan support, all, all of this shit. The largest spying apparatus turned inward on the had bipartisan support. Trillion dollar spending bills are going to have bipartisan support. It's yeah, any anytime they come up with a bill or or some piece of legislation and they say, especially when it's one that's been brought forward by the by the Democrats, they're like, oh, this many Republicans are on the are on the side of this bill and we should get it passed. And I'm like, OK, so you just told me that that many Republicans are openly openly willing to admit that they're retarded. Like. And it's that's impressive. Like we sh- everybody who sees how many Republicans are supporting this should immediately say, OK, we got to primary them and get them the fuck out like that. They do not they do not represent our interests. If it's got bi- bipartisan support, whoever whoever supporting it needs to be ousted. Yeah. Yeah. It, it basically just means that you're getting the worst that the left ha- the left has to offer and the worst that the right has to offer. And they found some middle ground to give you the maximum worstness of each side so it's like this is much like democrat shit that we can get away with and as much republican shit that we can get away with and we're combining the two and well it's, that's like every every senator or congressman that's voted against supporting ukraine and all of this they're like oh you're pro-russia you're pro-putin it's like no i'm just not in favor of another war yeah i'm anti whatever the fuck this is and if, when you find yourself on the side of every establishment, all the the big politicians that have been in there for 50 years, every all of academia, Hollywood, the corporate press, you know, if you're finding yourself in line with them, you really need to take a step back and think about what you're supporting or not supporting for that matter. And speaking of Hollywood. Was was the uh, was the Will Smith slap staged or was it real? What do you think? Oh, man. Um, You know, well, I never watched the Oscars, so I did wake up and I had no idea what was going on. I saw like my buddy sent me like one tweet that was like, thank God Chris Rock didn't make any jokes about like Alec Baldwin's wife or something like that. Oh, man, I I had a friend. I had a friend that had literally like maybe maybe eight minutes before it happened had sent me a text and said or a message and said you watching the oscars i was like hell no i'm not watching the oscars and there's absolutely no way we will be talking about it on tomorrow tomorrow's morning show and then like and then all you see on twitter is (laughs) will smith smacking the shit out of chris rock and like well damn it I was really not going to talk about it tomorrow morning, but I don't have a choice now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's just too many memes to ignore it. It did look staged initially. You know, I don't think it was staged. I feel like it was definitely forced. Like I, I don't think Will Smith was initially going to go up there and smack him. It seemed like he was just kind of chuckling. By the way, that joke was not that offensive. But it also was not funny at all, and I don't know what a GI Jane joke is <laughs> like. Oh, you really? You don't? So Demi Moore was in the movie GI Jane back in the late '90s, early 2000s, and she had to shave her head for the movie. So, so like literally for the last 20 years, anytime a chick has a shaved head, they they make the GI Jane joke. 
Yeah, and you know oh, we've okay. we've moved away from Sinead O'Connor, and now it's GI Jane. Nobody ever, but nobody ever mentions Natalie Portman in V for Vendetta when she had her head shaved because Natalie Portman with a head shave or with her head shaved in V for Vendetta was fucking hot. So <laughs> they have to use the ones that look weird for for any well, of these jokes. Yeah, I didn't know that that was like an actual genre of jokes, but. <laughs> I didn't find it very funny. I don't know. I don't think it justified like going up there and smacking him. <laughs> I mean, it it is very, in, you know, it's in very poor taste to make fun of somebody for, you know, like some disease that they have, which I don't know if Chris Rock knew that or not, but it's, it's also just kind of fucking, it, it's just so fucking hilarious, man, that like, this is what, gets the reaction out of will smith and not any of the other stuff that we know has been going on in that relationship that's like i was like isn't it possible that uh chris rock didn't know that jada has alopecia and you know her hair is falling out and people like she's been incredibly public with it on and talked about it and yada 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 like does chris rock really cross you as the type of person who pays attention to literally anything jada pinkett smith right. has ever said like, let me let me I check let me check all the jada pickets i mean like you could see how that would get buried in like all you know like the the open relationship they've been having the affairs that she's had and all the other weird shit that goes on that i don't pay much attention to i you know i always thought that like will smith was gay and that their their marriage was just like this, like she was a beard and he was letting her like bang other guys or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that was that was something. And it wouldn't surprise me if they staged it to make the Oscars relevant again. I mean, their ratings are terrible. Nobody nobody watches it anymore. Nobody really cares. It's just like, you know, this one big circle jerk hollywood circle jerk that goes around you know once a year or whatever um i don't, I don't know the well, it, it's also just hilarious that he got the oscar right after it i i don't know how that works out um and i didn't watch any of that i like read the apology and yeah it, how do you take actors seriously when they start crying all the time it's like that's what they do for a living they pretend to be emotional like right like how how can you take them seriously when they literally get paid to cry uh, like my uh when we were in college my brother was on the phone with his girlfriend one time and he was just sobbing and bawling and i was like dude what what the fuck is wrong with you and he puts his hand over the phone and smiles real big and laughs and then he goes back, like immediately turns it right back on and goes back to crying See, like that's yeah. that's what these yeah, actors do. I, actors I will are like never fucking nuts, man. <laughs> I will never believe when my brother cries ever again, and I will never believe when any of these actors cry because they're literally paid to do it. Like it's it's all a fucking show. Yeah, yeah. To me, it, it makes a lot more sense that he just had a bunch of like pent up resentment and anger from being just like humiliated in public constantly by this woman. And Chris Rock just, you know, he's a kind of an easy target. He's up there on stage. He can't really fight back. And it just sort of all just exploded at once. And he just went off on him. Um, I could be, I could understand being like a little upset, I guess, with the joke and like coming up, up to him like after the thing and being like, yo, dude, she's got alopecia or whatever it's called. Is that right? Alopecia? Yeah. Um, like, come on, man. Maybe but apologize at the same time, to her I mean, or something. 
but yeah, at the same time, it's a, it's a joke. Apparently, it has its own genre of jokes. GI Jane, like I don't know, man. We, and the people talking about she has a disease, like alopecia, yeah. literally does nothing but make your hair fall out. Like it's not, yeah, that was it's the, not like she's got cancer. She's not dying. Like it's right. that's it. That's it yeah, is. Like, it is. I didn't know. It is the most joke worthy disease on the planet because all it does is make you lose your hair. Yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't know initially what alopecia was. I was reading this article. It's like, and she suffered from alopecia, which causes hair loss, like which can cause hair loss, like the way they phrased it. And it was like a side of, you know, like chemo kind of thing. And I was like, oh shit, she's got alopecia. What's that? And it's like, <laughs> it's hair loss. It's like, oh, okay. Like, like how many, what percentage of men suffer from hair loss? It's just like, Right. Like there's a huge percentage of men who suffer from hair loss. And and that was another thing that um, people were like, that's not the same kind of hair loss. Like, but it really is. <laughs> yeah. OK. Is the hair falling out of her, the top of her head? Right. Um, like you can call it you can call it alopecia or you can call it male pattern baldness. But either way, the result is the same. You're, you got a bald ass head like I mean, yeah. men. Men get alopecia, too. I, I had a. Uh, several several years ago uh coming out of my divorce i had a i i dealt with uh stress induced alopecia so i i didn't i don't actually have alopecia like my hair is not going to fall out but um patches of my beard and my hair would just like i would just have like a smooth spot it was it was entirely stress induced and uh that passed and it grew back obviously but uh yeah, yeah it, like men get it too there's different causes for it like it's there's a whole lot of shit that's involved with it like it's not it's not that serious <laughs> it's not yeah. something that's like she's jada is the sole survivor of this horrible thing that's just wreaking havoc on black women or some shit right right well and the other thing is it just sort of highlights this how thin-skinned our fucking culture is now like you can't you can't take a joke it like a not I didn't think it was funny, but it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is so it, first of all, it's it's really hard to offend me with a joke. But like sometimes when you hear the joke, you're like, oh, that's kind of a fucked up joke. You know, it wasn't like a Holocaust joke. It was a hair loss joke. And OK, <laughs> like it just we're seeing signs of this all throughout society of just like everybody being a colossal bitch all the time. I, I have a. An article here in the stack that California State University is dropping the SAT test because it's too stressful. It's too stressful. It's too much pressure and stress on the students today. Doesn't and, that just further validate the uselessness of a college degree? Like if if you're not even going to have to take a test, and 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 honestly, how much do they care about the test? Like. I, I, I graduated high school with people who scored like a 13 or a 14 on the ACT and still went to college. Like we're not really using any of these standardized tests to keep people out. <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm, I'm sure in certain instances, like you have to get above a certain threshold if you want to go to like an Ivy league school or something like that. But even that, even now they're, they're relaxing all of this stuff or getting rid of it completely in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and uh, affirmative action. So in my mind, like, first of all, if you can't handle the pressure of a standardized test that's 
not that's only one of the like the qualifying aspects of your application to go to college. I, I, you know, you're going to have a lot of problems in the real world. Like there's a lot more stresses that you're going to get, uh, you know, bombarded with throughout your life. Uh, you know, the, the worrying about grades and tests and stuff like that. When you, when you get to be like our age and you look back at it, you're just like, Oh my God, that was so fucking stupid to be that stressed out about it compared to the, the problems that you you're, you face and you're going to face. And we're going to talk about the food shortages here in a little bit, but before did you, move- did you stress out about the, uh, the ACT and, and all of that stuff or a, a little bit? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I was never a good like standardized test taker, which I don't put like a lot of, um, a, a lot of like, uh, importance on that sort of stuff. I'm just really slow when it comes to doing everything. <laughs> So it's like when I cook and the recipe says like it takes 30 minutes, it's going to take me two hours to do it. Like, I don't know why I'm so slow at at getting all this stuff done, but like, yeah, like the time, like not being able to like finish the test in the amount of time was always like a concern for me. Not necessarily like I wouldn't know the answers, but like, I'm not going to have enough time to get to it. And so, yeah, I mean, like it would, and you are sort of conditioned to put a lot of pressure on yourself because the college, like your whole future depends on this. And, but I mean, that was like 20 years ago for me <laughs> almost. All right. So actually it was 20 years ago. Holy shit. Jesus. It was more than 20 years ago. Okay. Well, um, now it's, it's so much less important to go to college and the idea that they're dropping all of these admission standards and, and basically just focusing on what your skin color is or your gender to, to let you into these universities. And, and you get to see what's happening to people with college degrees. All they're, they're just drowning in debt and they have a worthless degree that everybody has. And this is, this is the debasement of a college degree. They have debased the, the value of this degree, just like they've debased 97% of the value of the dollar. Like if everybody has the degree, your degree is worth nothing. And, you know, it used to be uh, you could raise like a family of four on a high school degree pretty comfortably. Like you'd be middle class high school degree. Now it's like then you needed two incomes. Now you need two college degrees and you're still drowning in debt from that and you can't make ends meet like these degrees are completely worthless. It's one big fucking racket. That's all. That's why the first two years of your four-year degree is you just taking English and Spanish and math over again and all of these requirements that have nothing to do with what your major is most of the time. It's to keep you there for two more years to fucking bilk you. What did you... Uh, <laughs> have? Uh, what kind of what kind of uh, grades did you have when you graduated college? Uh, they were pretty good. I mean, I made dean's list a couple of times. You know, I was like, I get mostly A's and B's, but there were like a couple of classes where I like I'd get a C or like I think I got a D in something because I just like I was like I hate this class. I'm not going. Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Lorenzotti Coffee. You know them well by now. They're our oldest and 
longest running sponsor. We love these guys. We love their premium Italian coffee that they deliver right to your door. So do yourself a favor. Get your mornings started right with the taste of freedom. Go to Lorenzotti.coffee and use promo code FICTION so they know I sent you. And you'll get 10% off your order. That's Lorenzotti, L-O-R-E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee, promo code Fiction. Get all of your coffee and coffee supplies from these guys. And not only are they fans of the show, but they've gone above and beyond the call of duty as a sponsor. So go order some coffee, order an espresso machine, get a coffee grinder, do it all at Lorenzotti.coffee, promo code fiction. All right. I graduated with a 2.5. And when I did one of my job interviews, the, the interviewer, he said, how do you only have a 2.5? He's like, what's up with that? He's like, if it applies to what I intend to do for a career and with the rest of my life, then I put forth effort and I make an A or a B. If it doesn't, then I do the bare minimum minimum I need to to make a D because I have to have the, because the school says that I have to have the class, even though the class doesn't pertain to anything I want to do. So I'll put forth just enough effort to make a D so that they pass me and I don't have to deal with it ever again. He's yeah. like, that's fair. I can, I can accept that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you didn't just lie about your grade. Like I, the only, I've only, if you haven't time, noticed I, I'm not, there's not a lot of filter here. Like, I'm just gonna, yeah. if you ask me a question, you're going to get a straight oh, no, answer. I, I like that answer. I'm just saying like <laughs> on your resume, why didn't you just say like, I got like a 3.4 or something. Oh, <laughs> you know, like I've only like, honestly, we don't check that stuff. I in one one time in the last uh, twenty years of fourteen years, I guess, have I actually checked like fact checked somebody's resume because I could not fucking believe that this chick had a finance degree from DePaul. She could not add three plus five without a calculator. She couldn't do it. She could not do it among a bunch of other things. And I was like, I don't think she has a finance degree. And I had like an alum, like look into it for me and like, no, no, she's got it. And guess what? Uh, she was a minority. She was Hispanic. She had no business in fine. Like I'm telling you, when I say she can't add three plus five, it would be like, you know, three million and change, five million even. It's literally three plus five. And then you just pull down all the other numbers. And she could not do that. She had a finance degree from a respected college in, uh, in Chicago. And, and this was, I mean, this was like a decade ago. And I was like, holy shit, dude, these degrees are totally fucking worthless. What are we doing here? Like that, that's a, that's a third grade. What was that a fourth grade math problem? Maybe. Maybe. I I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that's like second grade. Cause I'm, I think we, uh, didn't we learn multiplication tables in second or third grade? So like, that's just basic addition. Yeah. She should have, she yeah. should have had no business. Grade. And maybe there's something else that she's good at. Finance was not her thing, but they, they put her through this entire, like they, they herded her through because she got, she, to, she got at. to check that Hispanic box. That's gotta be the only explanation. It's gotta be. She, there's no way she tested well. Okay. Uh, she had, and maybe she had, I think she might've had some other issues as well. Like, it, it doesn't really matter. But the, the point here is like this affirmative action thing does not do anybody any favors. If you're not qualified to get the degree, like she has a finance degree now and she cannot do math in the real world. 
So what is that degree worth after you work for me for three months and I figure out that you're basically a fourth grade math level? I'm seen, not going to keep you on. I, I, did a episode, degree. I did an episode a while ago about it um, that was looking at uh, predominantly African-American high schools in Georgia, especially around the Atlanta area. And this guy was talking about like the fact that 80% of students who were graduating from these high schools were not like not effectively illiterate. Like they were completely illiterate. They literally could not read or write. And they were graduating from high school from high school. Like so the schools are touting these like great graduation rates for minority students and all this stuff. And it's completely useless. Like all they're doing is just pushing them through the system handing them a diploma and saying, look, we have great graduation rates. We're, we are educating these underserved, underprivileged black kids. Yeah. No, you're not, you're not doing anything for them. You're, you're setting them further behind in life by pushing them through, giving them a degree and turning them loose on the world, completely fucking illiterate. Like that's, that's not a benefit. That's not helping. It used to be understood that coddling people, it's like telling them they're great when they're not great or when they're failing, um, not forcing like standards on them, not demanding some level of, you know, competence from them was detrimental to people's development. And we've taken that idea, turned it completely on its head and made policy based off of it. And, and now, you know, they turn around and like, Oh, uh, you're, you're the racist one because you're questioning their, um, you know, the Katanji Jackson, Katanji Brown Jackson. That's the right one. Yeah. The backwards one uh, questioning her qualifications. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Like you guys brought this on yourselves. You were the ones that that focused on race, made everything about race. Biden was the one that said, I'm hiring a black woman no matter what. Uh, what, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> Besides question the quality, like, are you really here because you know what you're doing and you'd be a good fit for the job or literally because you get to check these boxes that we've decided as a society to put a lot of um, a lot of emphasis on for whatever reason. And the uh, and there were only two of you. So you happen to win the coin flip. So, yeah, we're going to we're going to grill you a little bit harder. Yeah. And well, you know, I have this. Uh, how did I lose that article that the NFL is? Um, the NFL is requiring now that teams, every team has to have a minority coach in an offensive and like an offensive coaching position and not like a bullshit one. Oh God, I think I lost that article. Where'd it go? You know, it's like, dude, there's a reason why these positions are, are being filled with who they're being filled in sports, especially it was like the last area of society where like it was pretty much merit-based like you have a losing record as a coach you're probably going to get fucking shit canned um uh, and like as somebody who's played sports i can tell you we don't give a shit if our coach is black white asian hispanic a woman it doesn't matter if they're a really good coach and they know what they're doing well that was like talking about a like a woman uh, what was the the chick that played in the WNBA for a long time? Uh, Becky Hammonds, I believe, was her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she is on the coaching staff for the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA and has been for a long time. And, like, she 
she was a good coach. They she has actually like coached their summer league teams and stuff. Like she is a legit good coach. They didn't put her on the staff because she was a woman. They put her on the staff because she's a brilliant basketball mind. And, and like she's and she started out like on the staff for the Spurs and eventually worked up to being an assistant coach because she is a, a verifiably brilliant basketball mind. And like that's how it's supposed to work. You can't just say, okay, every team has to have a woman on staff. Like, okay. Um, how many women are qualified to be, to, you know, to work for an NBA team? Like that's, that would be insane. And it's the same for, that's the same for the NFL making this blanket. Every team has to have this many minority coaches in these positions. Like, yeah. are you just going to create like, qualified legitimately qualified coaches out of thin air because if they're not already in those positions it's probably because they don't fucking exist right and the only way that you're actually going to get the respect from the people that you're trying to get respect from is if you earn it on merit not because the nfl and here it is will require every team to hire a minority or female offensive assistant coach for the 22 uh 2022 season in an effort to ensure more opportunities for diverse candidates. How many females know fucking anything about football or even care want, want to know like the pool has to be very shallow there versus like men who have obsessed about this. And by the way, they tend to give these positions to like former players who have like, who have played the sport and have a background in it. Like this is, um, yeah, they, so they've, it's a one-year contract. You have to work closely with the head coach and offensive staff to gain experience. Um, they're setting up like a fund to help, you know, pay for these things. There's like a, a, a whole a, a league fund that they're going to draw on to give uh, teams money to hire for these positions. Like, it, you know, it's worked out so well in, in the rest of the world all this affirmative action stuff, judging people purely based on their like immutable characteristics, their skin color, their gender, which we, we, you know, some of us can't even define. This is nonsense. And it does nothing but bring fucking problems for everybody involved. And that, that letter, uh, that uh, article that you sent me just before the show, women of color can no longer buy into the inclusion delusion. The inclusion delusion. This article is, it has a lot of good content to talk about, but it's kind of insane at the same time. So this is from Fortune and it talks, it's it's specifically talking about like um, from watching the Kataji Brown Jackson hearings and everything that uh, black women clearly aren't being taken serious in the workplace. And so like all of these black women who have been getting high ranking positions in companies and stuff like that. Uh, there she refers to it at the author refers to it as an inclusion delusion because they're only being included because they're black women and they're not being, they're not being given the opportunity to like completely change the landscape of the business world. When they get into these positions, they get these positions and then they're expected to, I don't know, do the fucking job. Like, how ridiculous is that? Right. Yeah. And well, the article starts out, right. And the confirmation hearings of 
Judge Katanji Brown Jackson cast a spotlight on the challenges women of color face in the workplace, from having their qualifications scrutinized to enduring microaggressions to feeling the pressure of representing an entire race in their responses and behavior. Now, that all may be true, but whose fault is that? That's the fault of the policy that they're putting forth. The natural reaction to, I'm going to hire a black woman no matter what is okay, let's, well, first of all, everybody's qualifications qualifications are scrutinized. Like that's the whole point. Um, now, granted, as we kind of touched on with these hearings and, and the prior ones, like their actual qualifications aren't scrutinized as much as like some retarded talking point that Republicans come up with or that the Democrats come up with. But yeah, you're going to feel pressure to represent the entire race when all you do is talk about how like this race is underrepresented. We need this person in here who looks like this race to represent them. That First of all, that is a retarded idea. The idea that your entire race is represented by one person or can be or help like the fact that you look like somebody like they could bring like an Italian guy in there and I'm not going to be like, oh, I feel represented now because this guy also has a fucking spaghetti recipe. The fuck? Out of, this is so stupid. And that's the group that you're going to identify with, like all of women, 51 percent of the fucking population or all black people or all white people, all Hispanics. It's millions of fucking people. Million. Well, that's your group. Ketanji Brown Jackson has to represent all black women because the last person that the Democrats picked to represent all black women has turned out to be a complete joke. And I don't just mean her Joker-esque laugh every time she gets on stage and starts to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this, this is a self-inflicted wound. If we didn't have any of these misguided policies to try to get more, uh, quote unquote diversity into these positions that the, you know the second half of this having to represent your race or you know having your entire experience play out on a national stage while leaders confront you uh, the bias ingrained in the country like none of this would actually be happening if it was just if biden came out and said hey like i think this i i'm gonna hire the best person for the job and this is it. I'd show that out of the 300 plus million people in this country and the, you know, the thousands of applications I have, this is the person that I think does the best job. And then you scrutinize their, their qualities and you don't make race part of it. The, 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 you know, the constitution doesn't have any race in it. Um, you know, it's not like we shouldn't be taking that into consideration for anything. Let, let alone like some of the, like the monetary policy and stuff that they put forth. Like we're going to direct monetary policy to help minorities. So talking about the article, there's a, there's a piece that I thought was absolutely hilarious, especially when we're looking at, at talking about like qualifications and all of that being scrutinized is that uh, they say that a former senior partner who had left a company and helps women of color find uh, power and safe space and community uh, so she gets calls every week from senior women of color desperate for advice. And some are six months into their new jobs calling because they have yet to be given what they were promised, a reasonable budget, staff, direct reporting to the CEO. Tell me you are grossly unqualified for the position in one sentence. That's it. If, if you expected a reasonable budget, staff, and any level of communication from the higher ups 
you clearly have never worked in management and don't know how any of this fucking works like that. That you you have just dis, you have just given us the most baseline. You are underqualified for this position, yeah. or or you have well, like some like, sense of entitlement as well. Like most jobs have a six month probation period where they right. can be like, you know, this isn't working out, and that's you know you got to get rid in of those them high level that. positions like that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean back to this article here. Because I, I do want to kind of go through this if we got time. Um, it says in 2021, research revealed that one in three women of color was thinking of leaving their job at the time when there is more focus than ever on keeping employees. Women of color as a cohort are more actively looking around and jumping ship whenever they can. As a former senior partner at Deloitte, it's one of the big, uh, is that a top four accounting firm? Top five? Uh, who left to start a company that helps women of color find their power through safe space and community. I get calls every week from senior women of color desperate for advice. Um, There's the six months thing that you were talking about. Um, Instead of celebrating that they've made it, the women of color I hear from uh, wonder if they should leave. Others call wanting to share that after decades of suffering within the existing structures, they are ready to exit to spearhead endeavors uh, where they can create a more welcoming culture. So, oh, okay. But, you know, again, th- this idea, like, why do you feel uncomfortable in these positions? It all goes back to the framework that we've put in place for, I wouldn't feel comfortable if like, so, you know, if somebody said like, I'm going to hire, you know, uh, a half Irish, half Italian middle eight, like, you know, somebody in the mid thirties for this position. And then I get the job. Like I wouldn't feel very comfortable either. You know, it, it's almost, you know, it'd be like almost like nepotism or something like you got the job because like your dad owns the company or something. And then you have something to prove. Um, well, so that's like the, the very next paragraph. It says uh, professional women of color have always been victim of, and sometimes unconsciously complicit in the inclusion delusion the conundrum of being highly visible as the first or only woman of color in their organization and at the same time never feeling like they belong are respected or have power because usually they aren't given the position because of respect or, or 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 qualification or anything like that they're given the position because the company has decided that they have to check these boxes, which gets back to, you know, the being six months on the job and clearly not having any idea how the job actually works, but like not yeah. having realistic expectations of, of how the business world works. Like it's, yeah. or, you or, aren't respected because you haven't earned that respect. You were given your position for no more reason than right. you checked the right boxes. Yeah. Or, or they are qualified, but we've had such an assful of this, you know, of these policies cram through us from, you know, government schools all the way through, you know, every year we have these like, you know, uh, training seminars and stuff that we have to go to in, in corporate America where, you know, you can't help but wonder. And it just, it adds another hurdle for them to overcome. It, it's, you know, it's a crutch. It's not. Well, something- and then on, on the same hand. Uh, so in, in a previous, previous career, I had, peers and superiors who were black women in in the business and they had started out like the problem that a lot of these upper level ones have i don't know if i would mentioned it on on this show before but currently the 
the demographic with the highest percentage of college degrees is black women. Like black women are getting degrees at uh, a higher frequency than any other demographic in the country. And a lot of these women who are being given these positions are being given the position because they have a degree or because, you know, like, because they check those boxes, like the, the black women that I've worked with in supervisory and management positions and stuff like that, they started out at the bottom. They were hourly employees who worked their way up and earned that position. And they are, every one of them was excellent at it. But a lot of these, they're not taking that progression. They're just being, they have the right piece of paper, and they check all the right boxes, and so stick them in and hope for the best. Well, and and you know there there's a reason why people are lying about their um, you know their gender or their race on a lot of these applications as well. There's there's a reason why Elizabeth Warren pretended to be an Indian. <laughs> you know, it's and you know it, it's not necessarily fair, but this is this is you know this is the game that they wanted to play. And now they don't like the result of it. And, you know, I, I can't blame people for being like, hey, did they get this position because they know what they're talking about or because the NFL is requiring them to hire? So we got to have somebody. So here you go. Here, here's this person, regardless of what they know, uh, regardless of their qualifications, they have like the, the, the least important thing, the color of their skin uh, meets, you know, meets this thing so that at least we, we can uh, appear to, to care about diversity and equity and inclusion. And yeah, they're, they're, they're doing these people a disservice a lot. If that's the reason why you're hiring somebody for the position, you're not helping them. Just like you're not helping these kids, passing them when they don't know how to read, getting letting them get into a college that they should not have. And then the college has to, you know, um, have all these like rudimentary classes. They got to retake like eighth grade English. They have to lower their standards. This is like, you know, it's like being in space and not working out your muscles. You atrophy. You have to challenge people. You have to demand a level of, um, I want to say expertise, but a level of excellence. You have to be able to meet requirements and you can't just keep lowering the bar for, for people and then expecting things to get better. None of this is going to help anything. So just like a, a final point that I was going to make from the article is it talks about, uh, really, would you shut up? <laughs> it talks about how these women feel like they're being asked to fit into an existing culture and not evolve that culture. It's like, yeah, no shit. That's why you got the job. Uh, so the thing that you like, for some reason, I, I guess it's, I think this also goes to the lack of qualification. Like if you are in a position like that, you find ways to make what you do of a higher benefit and more valuable so that they actually recognize that you're doing something. You don't sit around and cry because you have to work within the structure of this job. You find ways to make the job better so that everybody around says, oh, look what this person has brought to the table. Like, you're not going to change it without changing the way you approach it. And it doesn't seem like they want to do that. Like they want to come in and just like wipe out the culture and make it all about inclusion and diversity and have all the budget and all the staff and all the CEO access and all the things that none of the rest of us are getting either. 
Like, calm the fuck down and do your job. Yeah. And it, again, they use these words, d- diversity and inclusion, and it has nothing to do with that. It's not diversity. They don't want diversity of thought or idea, and they don't include people that have ideas like we have ideas. Uh, we're, we're, we're banned from fucking YouTube. We're, you know, cast off into the, the corners of society. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with, you know, fitting into the, the you know, Tom Woods' three by five index card of allowable opinion. And you can, you know, bounce around those sides from the, you know, three to three to five. But if you go outside those those areas, you're not included. And that's where a lot of the diversity actually is, regardless of your gender or your skin color. Um Speaking of, you know, equity and inclusion and gender and all this stuff, I, there's one more thing I want to talk about. I don't know if we're running long or not. But a little bit. We, we got, I think we got another 10 minutes. Yeah. It's sort of along the, the lines of this. You know, they've basically what the what it seems like the government has been doing is basically propagandizing people to buy into all of this diversity, equity, inclusion stuff. They, you know, throughout all of their the government schools, all the way through college and even into the workforce, like like I said, like they have committees and task force and you have to, you know, go through all these training seminars quarterly or uh, annually to, you know, learn about diversity, equity and inclusion. And they use these buzzwords that they sort of pepper in throughout your life. And then they take those same buzzwords and they use that to justify trillions of dollars in spending like that is that is what they're doing now i mean that's what they've always done but this like they use those buzzwords to justify just billions of dollars in complete bullshit government theft and we have joe biden's budget for the uh, fiscal year 2023 has billions of dollars in climate related spending environmental justice international climate finance uh, advance equity and equality globally. This is the budget is $5.8 trillion and it's chalked full of all of this, the same spending crap that's in every single budget that has done nothing but, you know, blow the roof off of the deficit and the national debt, which he was, he was tweeting about this the other night. I, I happened to see it where he's like, We've, what do you say? Like we've cut down, we've cut the national budget by over 1.3 trillion. And it's like the, the largest cut in deficit since 2020's budget, which was like the, the largest deficit ever. So the, the deficit in 2020 with all of the COVID shit was 3.1 trillion. That's how much they spent that year over the the amount budgeted okay so they they overspent by 3.1 trillion joe biden has cut that by a whopping more than 1.3 trillion so i don't know how much more but it looks like maybe 1.5 trillion at most so they've cut it down to only the third largest deficit in u.s history the 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 second one was 2021 so 2021 was uh it was like 2.8 trillion. And now we're down to like 1.5 trillion. We're still running over a trillion dollars more than the 
$5.8 trillion budget, which is just fucking insane how much money this is. But will the, this budget get through the will this budget get through the House and the Senate? Like will they actually pass it? I mean, I I'm sure the House will, at least yeah, in this well, iteration of the House. You know, but. it was it was over a a month a month late than it was legally due. So yeah, they were supposed to submit it a month ago. No big deal. You know, the, the rules don't apply to our government. Biden was probably taking a nap and forgot to finish it up. Yeah. I mean, it it I, I don't know if it'll pass, but you know, it has a good chance because they've peppered in all of these buzzwords. Who could be against environmental justice? Who could be against um, you know, equity and equality globally? I mean, apparently we're having this big problem with equity and equality and inclusion in the U.S., but we're going global. Forget about solving those problems here. Let's spend trillions of dollars around the world. Good well, they've got to spend trillions of dollars around the world because Russia's going on back onto the gold standard, and <laughs> now it's going to really get it's interesting. Like, I mean, even if you believed in advancing equity and equality and inclusion – even if that was your goal, why, why not start here? You know, this, this racist patriarchy of a country that we live in and let's get our own house in order before we start taking on the rest of the world. This is like, you know, when they talk about (laughs) with our foreign policy, you know, we're going to spread freedom around the world. Like right after we fucking come out of the, like the most totalitarian fucking state we've ever had. Or like right after the the NSA gets caught spying on all the American people, we're gonna spread freedom around the world. We don't even have freedom here. <laughs> like, let let's start small and work our way up to that. Maybe. I, I mean, look, if they, if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and all of these politicians in in the the, the House and the Senate actually cared about <laughs> any of this equity and inclusion stuff. Um, gender equity, whatever the whatever the buzzword of the day is, they would they wouldn't be instituting these these types of programs. That as we're we're seeing, everybody's seeing they they do more harm than good. They're more detrimental to the people that they're supposed to help than they are beneficial to to the the underserved in any of these areas, and which is typical of every government program. It always hurts the people that it proposes to help the most. Oh, and I have a list. I, I started looking at this list. This, this wasn't even related to the budget. So I want to confuse people. Um, this was uh, the $1.5 trillion spending bill, the omnibus bill of 2022. And they broke it down. This was on, uh, this on Zero Hedge. I think it was on Zero Hedge. But it's it's 2,800 pages long. It's just over 1.5 trillion, and I'm scrolling through this thing, and it is like just the summary of. And, and by summary, I mean like 35 million dollars for the Community Connect Grant Program, 1.3 million for Under Secretary for Food, Nutrition, and Consumer Services, 26.9 billion dollars for school lunches. Like it just lists all of this stuff, and it is like, dude. I'm telling you, if you printed this out, it would be 50 pages long of just line items. There's no fucking way anybody knows what's in any of these bills. Anybody could manage this thing. If you just look at it, like put your ideology aside, look at how they operate 
look at what they're spending this money on. And, and the idea that anybody has control over this or knows what's going on is absolutely ridiculous. They are just, you know, this, this is clearly just something written by lobbyists. They're just throwing money away. It's trillions of dollars down the drain. And we actually still have to talk about that, that food shortage stuff. Like there are some real big fucking problems headed toward the American people, like real actual problems, not microaggressions, not like, oh, that jerk, that joke hurt my feelings. Like you might not be able to get food on your fucking table problems. And you're going to look back at this stuff, um, you know, 1.5 billion for the EPA's environmental justice efforts, whatever the fuck that means. Nobody knows what any advanced gender equity and equality across a broad range of sectors, 2.6 billion. That's in the, that's back to the budget. Like you're going to look back at all of this money thrown away. And the reason you threw it away was, Oh, I'm a, I'm for equity and inclusion and climate, climate, environmental. That's how they're fucking couching it. That's how they're getting away with robbing you fucking blind. And pretty soon, as Justin's going to tell you, and as we talked about maybe a year or two ago on the show, I told you that these food shortages were coming. Um, you're going to have some pretty big problems. Yeah, so what people should really be concerned about is all of the sanctions and everything that's currently going on. It is going to progressively continue to drive the cost of fuel and uh, natural gas up. Now, fuel, diesel specifically, and natural gas are two of the key components in a lot of fertilizer and also just like the food industry as a whole. Uh, Farmers are currently looking at the potential that it is more profitable to close up shop and not farm and just take because so this is something else that I've done an episode about is the government subsidy programs for farmers and where the government will literally pay you to not farm and oh, dude, there's there's billions of that in that thing I was looking at Sorry, that doesn't ahead. surprise me uh that doesn't surprise me at all it's it's a fucking op like it's 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 deliberate they are driving the cost of fertilizers anhydrous everything that is necessary to have a productive large-scale farm uh, they're driving it through the roof and then at the same time, they're building in all this budgetary uh, stuff to allow farmers to take money to not actually farm. It's you're going to see, and and the really crazy thing about it is like most of the midwits have no idea how any of this works. If you don't have farmers growing wheat, corn, soybeans, then you don't have anything. Like and and this affects. This affects all the vegan fuckers too, because vegetable farmers and everything like that, they operate on the same system. In fact, those farmers typically operate on an even narrower margin than what like the big cash crop farmers do. And I'm here to tell you, cash crop farmers operate on extremely narrow margins. Like you're if you're looking at making five to ten cents per bushel on uh, you know, corn or wheat or whatever, like it's it is high volume, low margin type of business. So if you make if you make a penny on something, like if you can grow a bushel of corn for five dollars and you can sell it for five oh two, you know, 
you take that. And, and a lot of times, like more often than not, that is, that is literally the reality that they are living with. Like you are balancing your budget based on literal pennies and the way that the government is currently running everything through the roof on prices. And man, like it's going to be, it's not going to be profitable for very long. And as soon as it's not profitable, uh, they'll stop doing it. Like most, most farmers are not in it to lose their ass. They're, they're trying to make money and they are actually like incredibly intelligent people who know way more about math and stats and, and all of this environmental stuff than any of these politicians or progressive dumb fucks that want to tell you how you should uh, take care of the environment and, and all of this stuff. And uh, it's, if you kill the farming industry, that's game over for the country. Uh, like that, start putting in garden boxes in your backyard because it's about to get fucking bad. Yeah. Well, uh, Justin, but I see all of this money going to agriculture, agricultural research and education activities gets a billion, uh, $550 million for the National Institute of Food and Agriculture extension activities. Forty million for the National Institute of Food and Agriculture integrated activities. Uh, what else? We I mean the list just got you know two hundred and twenty six million for agriculture marketing, agriculture marketing services. Another apparently another sixty two million. Uh, oh, administrative expenses. Not not to be confused with their services. I really need to do an episode digging into all of those numbers because none of that actually goes towards anything that contributes to, um, to agriculture, agricultural success in this country. None of that actually goes towards anything that makes any legit contribute contribution to putting food on the shelves or putting food on your table. Uh, it's, it's all, it is all administrative bureaucratic bullshit that they can use to, uh, to do research and to pretend that they're finding some new and better way to create uh, fertilizer that's not going to damage the soil or the water. Never yeah. mind that the well, dude, fertilizers a, that we currently there, have. Don't and there's a, there's billions either. of dollars in loans going for these things. There's a 10.8 billion in agricultural credit insurance fund, 3.5 billion guaranteed farm ownership loans, 2.8 billion farm ownership direct loans, 2.2 billion unsubsidized guaranteed operating loans, Emergency loans, direct operating loans, guaranteed cons conservation loans. This is and all that. All that stuff is again. That's like that's a control mechanism that keeps because they keep running inflation up and running the price of everything up, while also adding tons and tons of uh, of administrative stuff and of uh, uh, regulation type stuff like the agricultural industry is one of the most heavily regulated industries in the country. It's, it's absolutely insane. Like the EPA is our enemy, uh, like hands down, the EPA is our enemy. Uh, and so they add all this stuff because these farmers, because of the way that the government is doing this and pushing all this stuff, you almost have to have an operating loan to be able to, uh, to be able to make money. So like what a lot of the farmers will do is they take out this big, operating loan for the year they use that to cover everything and then at the end of the year after 
like harvest and everything is done with, then they go pay it off. And then they start looking at, okay, what is it going to take to, to run things next year? And so they take out this big operating loan, gets them through the year, and then they go pay it off. So like, it's this, it's this perpetual motion machine of being fucking broke uh, and just paying, paying off the debt that you acute or that you accrued earlier in the year. Like it, right. it, the way that the government had, and, and a lot of that came out of, uh, out of ag policy from the 60s and 70s that started supplementing uh, farmers' incomes and paying farmers not to farm. At, like The government has been wrecking the agricultural industry for 50 years. Yeah, and probably longer. Since that, the Great Depression, I would imagine. I know they were paying farmers to destroy their crops back then, too. Yeah, it's insane. Like, And it's, so this is all, yeah, this is all like decades and decades of just compiling the problem. I, I do sincerely believe that like the best thing for the agricultural industry would be, <laughs> would be for the nation to collapse. And then you could just get like a hard reset and everybody could go back to doing things like in a reasonable, sensible fashion. But like right now, the way that the, the way the agricultural industry is run, it is absolutely psychotic and it's incredibly tedious and very close to collapse. And like, People have no idea. Like most people aren't aren't involved in that. So and they don't care. They think that there there's food on the shelf at Kroger, so they're going to be fine. What's all this talk about farmers? Right. Yeah. It's not a problem until it is, and then it's too late. And unfortunately, what's going to get blamed for the issue is like greed or Ukraine and Russia and all this other shit that has very little to do with the, like you said, we, we just spent about a hundred years tying knots in this rope. Uh, you know, one bad government policy after the other to try to fix the one that they just implemented, which is just a perfect example of how government screws everything up. This is what they do. They inject themselves into an area where, yeah, there's like a, a short-term problem, like a Great Depression thing, and prices are supposed to come down, but we can't have prices come down. No, no, no. So we got to, you know, pay farmers to destroy their crops and and all this stuff. Just one bad policy, you know, forces you to implement another policy to fix that. And each one just keeps piling up, piling up, piling up. And that's every facet of government works that way. And that's why everything that they've touched is an unmitigated disaster from agriculture to education, to housing. It's all to, you know, all this affirmative action stuff. It's all one clusterfuck of government created problems. And if, if you could just get the government out of the way and let the market sort this stuff out, yes, there will be times where things are less than ideal or there's a problem in this industry and maybe it doesn't work its, itself out as quickly as you'd like it, but it will actually, there will be a, an actual solution that works for everybody. That's how markets work. That's, how, that's just the nature of them. When you let the government get involved, not only does it take longer to get a, an actual solution, like you don't get a solution, you get 10 more problems. And then you get politicians saying that they need more money for this and more money for that um, and, until they're blue in the face. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll get out of here on that. Another, another uplifting note to end things on. But hey, guess what's happening this Friday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time? Justin's going to be in attendance. Is that right? You're joining me for yes, this one? Yes, I'm, I'm in for this one. 
I'm definitely in for this one. All right. So I won't be drinking alone, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to have our, another Friday night, happy hour. Last uh, the last one was a little sparsely um, sparsely attended. We did, didn't get have off our, your ass and get in here. That's right. It was uh, Marcy had to hold up the end for all the ladies out there. All the ladies had to. Marcy was the only one that could keep uh, get your perspective represented. So um, do me a favor, become a supporting listener of the show. Go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com. Set up a recurring donation for anything that you want as much as you can afford, you know, if you just want to do a dollar a month, do that. And then every other Friday you get to hang out with me. I got to be worth at least that, or at least one of the other drunken knuckleheads at nine 30 on a Friday is definitely worth your, your dollar. So go do that. That'll get you in. Follow us on Twitter at pedal fiction, join the private Facebook group. There's a lot of good memes in there, especially this week with the whole Oscar uh, slap slap incident. And uh, yeah, if you guys do all that for us, we will be back later this week, maybe, depending on construction and uh, nail appointments and eyelashes and all that shit. Put a brand new episode. Yeah, I'm getting my I'm getting my nails and eyelashes done. With a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction.